Welcome to Nightlight, our horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Night. I'm back, bitch! Yeah! <laughs> Thank God. Fuck. <laughs> I'm sure you did great. I haven't heard it yet, but I'm sure you did great. Oh, <laughs> that, that explains why you're so nice to me right now. <laughs> I heard you loved it, though. You loved... Yeah, I did. Yeah. And by you, that's David. What up, Sue kids? Also known as Nightlight. And there we have Freddy. Always keeping it spoopy. Always and forever. We are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down, discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com slash goodnightlife. That's not with a word. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show ad-free and as early as Monday with a post-show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, continuing things with our grief month. Good grief. What a great name. Good grief. You know, Good, good grief. Title. It is a good title. It is a good title. Very ironic. <laughs> as yeah. some of you have followed me on Twitter, but um, very ironic month. Um, did not plan that, obviously. But we are doing this month to showcase um, awareness for mental health and um, all of those things surrounding that. So once again, uh, we would love to thank our uh, wonderful friends over in uh Gosh, I don't even know what studio they're actually called. I don't think they have a name for their studio. But um, Jonathan Barkin over there doing uh, mental health and horror. Absolutely fantastic job. And I'm not just speaking because I'm biased I'm, and I'm in it. But it's genuinely, absolutely incredible work. And I'm mm. very, very excited for myself to check this out and for everyone else to check this out and support this film. So um, by all means, please head over to the, their website. It's going to be in our show notes as well. Um, and we're supported for the whole entire month. So please, by all means, check it out. Support it as much as you possibly can. Very fucking excited for this to just finally drop. But continuing this good grief month with Coco D, Coco Day. First and foremost, gentlemen, thoughts. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I'll go first this time. So, okay. man, this movie, I liked it. Okay. I, I'm very hesitant when I say that. Yes. This reminded me of a, a, another episode we did called Eden Lake, uh, where it's just about a couple who constantly get tormented over and over and over again all movie long. And... That took a lot of energy out of me, to be honest. But at the same time, the concept itself is very smart. And I do like the symbolism of like the mental health aspect of grief and going through a loss and going through tragedy. Um, yeah, I got to say, a lot of people are kind of mixed on this when I was looking at the reviews. But at the same time, like I kind of agree a little bit with all of them, right? Same. Um, there is some good about it and there's some bad about it. And the thing I really liked about it is that it's very creative and it's something I've never really seen before with a whole concept of the Groundhog Day concept, uh, but surrounding their mental health around their loss of their daughter. And the loss of the daughter in the beginning of the movie really hit home for me. I think that was the strongest point of the movie was the first Absolutely. portion. It was so unexpected. Super. And, it's right when they got to the helicopter, in which we'll talk about. It's like I kind of knew where where it was going, right? But it was still super effective of how they got it done. Absolutely. And 
that's one of like the biggest nightmares for any type of parent, right? Is to lose a loved oh, one, God. especially someone who is oh, so young, a kid, a kid, yeah. right? That's a parent. Doesn't matter nightmare. how what age they are, losing yeah. a kid in general, like that before right. you. That's not that's not how this works. Yeah, that's not how it works, and it's just the little things like that which like it gets me. And then um, no, this movie is very effective in what they try to get across, and I think it for the most part gets it done really, really well. And the acting's phenomenal in it. I have to say. It, they do a really good job, at least. Um, Extraordinary, especially especially yeah. later, like when they fucking hate each other. <laughs> like, like yeah, um, yeah. But th- this movie is very draining. So if like if anyone goes through stuff, this could be a hard watch for some people. I can see um, that, yeah. uh, but no, yeah, I I think I've enjoyed it for the most part. What about you, David? Um, I think this movie is not enjoyable, but I think that's the point. Yeah, right. I think like Freddie put it, it is very draining. <laughs> um, and I think it is a very artistic approach to show the cycles of being stuck in grief. And this movie pulls that off right. very well because it was, there's a little too much torment in there for me. The character is not likable, but again, I think that's the point. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to exhibit this this pain and this unwant of being there and it kind of reflected in me watching the movie because I was like this is there's no joy in watching this but again mm. that's the point right, right. Uh, and I, I say that I'm, the movie is not for me but I don't think that makes it a bad movie I think this executes on delivering its message perfectly yeah um, mm. it's a constant cycle of being trapped and feeling tormented and not being able to get out. Right. So I think in that approach, it got its job done and it did it well. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm also, I feel like, very similar to how you both feel on this movie. Um, Like, I think this movie is a good movie. I personally would not want to watch it again. Like, like, Like you said, yeah, it's not really enjoyable. Um, and that's not to say this movie is bad. And I, I do think this movie is a very well done movie. But I personally am just like, it's not for me either. Like, I, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of this movie. Um, I just think it's just well done. Um, but there's just a lot of things in here where I'm just like, I want, I, I wish it just wasn't so metaphorical. I agree with you. Um, and... Like I, 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 I get what they were going for and what or what they're doing. Like I understand what they're doing and, and things like that. Um, but ultimately the the movie's beautiful. Like I, I think it's it's a very well done, well shot movie. Yeah. Like, I it's, it's, it's insane. Cinematography well and the long shots and uh very few edits here and there yeah. really create a sense of both tension but also like dread. Uh, uh, just an ample amount there. of dread, right? Yeah. Like just so, so the much. The camera dread. just keeps rolling and it stays there, and it's like too long, and it shows like different types of horrific angles, and yeah, no, it's a it's a well done movie for sure, hundred percent. And I do like yeah. the the use of like I don't know what you would call it. If it's like that Candyman, like puppetry oh, sure. type of thing yeah. with like the cutouts and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I thought that puppetry, was really well yeah. done. Yeah. I thought that was really cool to look at, and I think that was a nice break from what was really going on. I think that helped with the pacing to kind of decompress a little bit. Right. Uh, but kind of like what you're saying, it's like it kind of hits you over the head a lot with the metaphors. But at the same time, it's like that's what they're going for. So like I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like it's it's a tough situation, but like it's perfect for this month. 
I feel yeah. like this fits yeah. perfectly for what we're talking about for mental health and yeah, good grief. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Good, good grief. grief. I think a lot good of people shit. when it comes to this movie probably have a problem with it not having any payoff. That's true. It's a cathartic moment for the two of them, at least towards the end. I guess. I think that was still like, can you ever get yourself out of That's what I was going to say. That's the harsh reality too, right? I think going back to the theme of how I opened with my thoughts, that's the point. There is no payoff because grief doesn't really have a payoff, right? right? You just deal with it. Yeah. I do like that the, uh, the time jump of three years. It's like even three years down the line, this is still happening. Well, it's even happening to the point where it's like, affecting their relationship yeah right like so like it 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 goes it goes from such a span to something they shared so tragically together and at that point in time they should be there for one another and they're just drifting slowly apart and apart and apart and they're trying to mend as much as they possibly can by going on these trips and things like that and and it's it just isn't working like to the point where they're just like the thing that connected us was our family and we don't have that anymore. So therefore, we're no longer connected the way that we were. So it's it's very fascinating to kind of uh, see it this way. But um, but yeah, once again, I mean, it, it it's a very well done movie. Like it's just ultimately well done movie. Let's jump into this shit though. Coco di Coco Day, directed by Johannes Nichol, released August twenty third, two thousand and nineteen, with a run. And that's also in Sweden, by the way. Um, a runtime of one hour and twenty six minutes. Fantastic. Great runtime. Love it. Jump in, jump out. Let's get it. No budget or box office found with a rating of 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. I actually agree with this rating. Like, what was the rating? 80%. 80%. Okay. Yeah. I, I think what I can that. people yeah. can find appreciative about this film is that you can feel that it was made by someone that went through a particular set of things and made this for a particular person, right? Yeah. To get that catharsis out. That feels very much appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Like th- this feels like they made this movie with someone in mind. Yeah. They made it from themselves mm. and for anyone that may be going something similar to what they have gone through. And it's like, it's for those out there that just understand this. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool because I'm reading right now that Johannes is also a animator and that kind of shows in his work as well. It's just oh, cool. sick. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. That's awesome. Uh, I, you know, shouts out to fucking Shutter though for like putting films out like this on their platform though, right. because they're like important stories they are. And uh, on top of that, just the fact that like I feel like they're doing a lot of service to um, foreign horror, and like I, I think it's just it's it's really amazing to see foreign horror get a bit of that spotlight because of Shutter, and I think that's just a really well done and real, uh, really great thing that they actually do on their platform quite frequently. Um, so, yeah. Every Thursday, Shutter releases a new movie, and I think that's just cool as fuck. We open to a man dressed in a white suit and hat named Mog. Sick. <laughs> like, what, dude? Like, that's... that's he looks so fresh <laughs> whistling as a man and a woman follow behind him in the forest mog starts singing quote my rooster is dead he will never sing cuckoo di cuckoo day end quote they make it to the, uh, to a ledge where he breaks the fourth wall repeating the tune as he looks in the camera transitioning to the title shot of a spinning toy box right off the bat like you're you're you are probably understanding a little bit of just like not what you're going to get yourself into, but just like what this movie, how this movie is going to flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you could tell like, 
okay, this movie's going to be a little whimsical. And it's going to be a little odd. Like a little fairy tale in a way. Yeah, like a little fairy tale in a way. Like, not, like it, it feels like tale. it's not supposed to make sense. And like I like like David said, like this movie feels like it's a movie that was made for a specific person in mind. Yeah. And it was just shared with all the rest of us. Cut to a little girl looking at the music box from outside a window, her two parents running up to her, terrified that something might have happened to her, moving on to a silly cu- uh, moving on to uh, the silly couple excitedly gre- greeting a group of people. This was weird. <laughs> I was so fucking confused when I first saw this because I, I, I saw this at um, Chattanooga Festival. And when I first saw this, I was like, who are these people? Like, yeah, like what are they? They were ca- they <laughs> they were casted they? as just clowns. Oh, so they were clowns, and I think they were there to be the comic relief for that party. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I was very confused as well. I was yeah. so fucking confused. And then they were like dressed as bunnies, or no, like our family was dressed as bunnies, which obviously, yeah, it makes sense for the paper mache and stuff like that. But um, I was like, is it Easter? Like what? Like what? Yeah. What's going on? Why are they just like buddies? <laughs> <laughs> so good. Like, great makeup, though. Great, great makeup. makeup. Great makeup. Yeah. <laughs> it looks good like job. buddies. Good job. I, I, I was like, oh wait, they're human. Oh no. That's <laughs> kidding. That's <laughs> I thought you were a jackrabbit. <laughs> oh my god. They joke around with the group. The woman pointing out the family: Tobias, Ellen, and their daughter uh, Maya. The group all head and head and heads inside. Ellen relieved that they didn't come over to them. I'm like, girl, same. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, because like I was I would be so just like, please don't don't come over here. Like, I don't don't do it. Like, I saw you were annoying from like out there. Like, (laughs) I do not want you over here right now. Tobias jokingly mocks them with uh, with Maya. Their food comes to their table. He plays around with his daughter, checking on his wife, asking what's wrong. Ellen claims to not feel too good. He notices that she's a little red around the neck. While everyone is, is having a grand time from, uh, from the two unexpected comedians, Ellen is puking her fucking brains out in the bathroom stall. I feel so bad. Dude. So it's very interesting because I'm like looking at it right now. And I do remember seeing this in the movie where she gets her like pizza or whatever that she has. Yeah, it was with fish, I think. Yeah, but uh, her daughter takes the whole thing and just leaves like little pieces of it on her pizza. And I think that's the thing that made them sick. Probably. I, was just I like, mean, oh, that's the thing. I think she definitely, the daughter definitely had an allergic reaction that was a little bit more internal. Delayed or something like that, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. like, I interpret it as uh, the mother's having an allergic reaction and then you could assume that, I don't know if allergies are passed down genetically. They are. Okay, so then you could assume that it is also passed down to their daughter, but right. it, like Prince, you said, it's just right. a lot more severe of a reaction to right. the point that... Like she, like I think the daughter oh, she like, takes le- the whole oyster. legitimately died yeah. from shock. Yeah, and, and oh yeah, that's right. She so does. She takes the whole oyster. She gets that like the spare plate, and then they put down the the pizza, and then you see the oyster on top, and you see her iron it, and then boom, boom. grabs it. Yep. And so she eats it. And I was like, Pow. crustaceans, man. That that's that's me. I know. Like that when I saw this scene, like it made me think of you. It made me think of me. I was like, damn, that could have been me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Scary. I could have from this I could have been their daughter. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if I may, allergies like, are a very scary thing. I no, allergies are this, terrifying. This made I me remember allergies. the time we all went They're out to dinner and we were having like that soup, and then I like stopped talking, and everyone was like, "Oh, are you guys okay? Like, are you okay, Freddie?" I'm like, "I'm we just concentrating." To, we went to dinner. 
in in the city to like uh, some like food restaurant or whatever. Was it was it uh, Korean barbecue? I think so, maybe. Yeah. There was like me, uh, Ryan, and Mike and stuff like that, yeah, and, we're, and we're eating the soup and stuff like that. And then I just stopped talking, and everyone's like, "Are you good?" I'm like, "I'm just concentrating," I, because I felt my breathing like become weird. Mm. And then like we dug inside, and it was like, you, "Yeah, you, that's when we found the fish." Yes, that, yeah, that's right. And I was like, yeah. God, it's like, damn. Yeah, it's. it's uh, like, we yeah, that was Korean barbecue. Those motherfuckers, man. They, <laughs> it's they, not like, their fault. It's like, I mean, no, no, no. It is their fault. Like, <laughs> but like, it's just besides that, because yeah. like you you could have gotten hurt. But um, besides that, they forced me to pay a tip. That's remember right. That? I remember that they for they, they ran outside. And they forced me to pay a tip. Imagine getting that allergic reaction and they're making you... <laughs> Bro, <laughs> I should have said that, but, like, he almost fucking died, dude. Like, <laughs> like, have you ever seen Coco D, Coco D? <laughs> Maya tries peeking underneath the stall to check on her. Ellen comes out of the... <laughs> Freddie's fucking dying right now. <laughs> you want to say cookie, dude? No, give me my tip. <laughs> Ellen goes out of the stall all puffy and red. Tobias runs to get help, and he's freaking fuck out. Like, rightfully so. He's, oh, yeah. he's so she terrified. She's red, red. Yeah, and, and yeah, she, look, she looks like she's dying. Like, like, oh my God. Ellen is being checked out by a paramedic asking her. Um, asking her about her allergic reaction possibly being from the muscles. She claims that she she's never had an, a reaction quite like this before, but her food tasted weird. I feel like that's a really important part. Her food tasted weird. So I could assume that the, that it was maybe old. And yeah, maybe it's mm. food poisoning, actually. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The paramedic explains how these allergic reactions are quite common. Maya comes up to, uh, to listen behind the paramedic. They continue waiting to be airlifted out of there. Tobias making making light of the situation, but t- um, taking pictures of his daughter and, by taking pictures of his daughter and wife. <laughs> My wife would have not been happy with that. <laughs> She'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Cut to them flying out of there. Ellen trying to make sure that Maya is okay during the flight. She loudly explains that they shared the same pizza. But Maya claims to be okay. Mm. Also super important, right? The small dialogue of like what's to come. Right. Super important. Like if they would have taken her daughter getting affected more seriously, she probably would have still been alive. Yeah. Like she if even she would have like, hey, you start out. feeling weird, tell me. And right. she says, I promise. And I'm like, yeah. You didn't tell her. Well, did she know? That's the thing. That's right? true. Yeah, like, yeah. did she actually know? Because, like, maybe for her, she was thinking that, like, oh, I may, like, I might feel a little sick or whatever, but, right. like, nothing as bad as, like, she saw how her mom reacted and she didn't react that way. So, therefore, she probably thought hers wasn't as bad. Yeah. Like, physically, right? Because right. there's physical appearances of her reacting, whereas. Right. With uh, Maya, it's like on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. At the hospital, the nurse, Hell, um, I think that's how you say it, <laughs> Hell, uh, comes up to uh, Maya and Ellen sitting on the uh, the rising bed. Hell introduces herself and starts messing around with the machine, asking if the, uh, that is a birthday present t- uh, toward Maya. She's a bit shy, her mother allowing her to tell tell her. Hell's, um, Hell asks how old she would be. Maya raise, uh, raises eight fingers, Ellen adding that her birthday is tomorrow. That sucked. That's really like yeah. that hit hard. That's like really when she said timing. that, I'm just like, "Fuck, dude!" 
Like, oh man, right before her birthday. She asks about the present that she's holding and wondering if Maya knows uh, what she got already. Maya answers that it's a music box. The nurse not understanding since her Swedish isn't very good. Ellen explains um, in, in, uh, in further detail on what music bo- on what the music box it is on what a music box is, she jokes with uh, with Maya that she she can't be so sure since she, since she has to wait until tomorrow to find out. Now night, Ellen and Tobias are inside a makeshift tent in the hospital talking about the events earlier, and they're cute as fuck right here. Dude. Yeah, they're so cute, and I'm just like, God, dude, like, it's like why do you react that way? It's like, like, well, if you came out like. As Freddy Krueger or whatever he says, it's like mm. he would have reacted the same way too. It's like it's it's a wholesome moment, super wholesome, absolutely adorable. But I'm very curious, where's their daughter right now? Mm. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> where's their kid? Good, yeah, because yeah. she when when they found her dead, she was asleep next to them. Where was she? Like that, I was mm. so confused by that. Oh, I guess uh, you can see she's right here to the right side. Oh, is she? Okay, yeah. yeah it was it was um, off camera a little bit. Little off camera. It's like Got far it. right side. Okay, uh, but she's not moving at all while they're talking right now. Too. That's another thing. So that's too. a scary thing too. Like, fuck? dude, like, how long were you? Were they possibly asleep next to their dead daughter? That's because it, it had to have been a while because the the husband when when he touches her he mentions that she's cold. Yeah. So it has to be a while, right? Like it, like fuck, god damn it! It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's like heartbreaking. like that that right there. Like it, it, this movie knew exactly what it wanted to do. Yeah, like it knew exactly what it wanted to do, and it knew exactly how to gauge the reaction that it was trying to gauge. And I applaud them on that. She mentions that she wasn't worried until he freaked out um, in the restroom. He doesn't believe that she um, that he was that scared, but she shares how scared he was, adding that uh, he could have toned it down, it making her nervous. He jokes that his wife went into a stall and came out um, another person. They share a laugh as he compares her to Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Got to Tobias um, bringing in a birthday cupcake for Maya. He whispers to Ellen that um, that he got it from the cafeteria. She excitedly and carefully removes the EKG from her skin. The alarm sounds off as they both rush to turn it off, checking on Maya, making sure she's still asleep. <laughs> she's still asleep. Yeah. So they light a candle of the cupcake. They move to the foot of the bed. Tobias joking if they should do it in Danish or Swedish. They begin their birthday chant to try to wake her up. Maya doesn't move on the bed. They go over to check on her, noticing that she's not moving and that she's cold. They move They move her over, calling to her. Ellen screaming for help. The parents cradle their chi- their child as the nurse rushes into their room. Ellen screaming that she's not breathing and for someone to help her. God damn. Yeah, it's re- again I I said it over and over but it's just heartbreaking. It is. Like yeah. it absolutely is and yeah. like Yolva Gollin's performance here is just Huge. so damn incredible. Her body language, the way she like interacts with like the nurse and the way she carries herself and she really gets really emotional in this absolutely. scene. Absolutely. And she carries this scene. Yeah. Like absolutely carries this scene. Like I feel like I feel like this is realistic. This felt improvised in some ways been. because like you see the reaction from Tobias where it like he's still he's probably in a reaction of shock like his reaction was probably um painted as shock right. because he's not he's not hysterical or anything quite like his wife but in in situations such as this like it's very telling how two individuals who are technically um 
significant others how they would possibly react differently in different situations yeah. like it, or in the same situations excuse me um because like it that alone is just so interesting to me because i i feel like even for me if my wife were to have a certain reaction i'm usually the calm one mm-hmm. depending on the reaction like if our daughter falls mm-hmm. for example like my wife will go oh! <laughs> and i'm just like it's okay like you're all right like you, you get get up dust yourself off kid you're, you're good you're yeah. good um, because like I don't want her to have that chemical reaction where she's like oh fuck like my parents are scared I'm scared. I need to be scared yeah. like right. that's how I should react in this situation because they're scared um, but it's it's interesting super interesting quick cut to a red curtain opening up to the paper cut uh, um, paper cut out a show of three rabbits the two adult rabbits with the young rabbit swing from a tree on top of the, on top of the tree a strange drawn bird squawking adult rabbits are sound asleep as the young one gets up and wanders out from from their space riding on the um, bird's back as it flies through the uh, through the adolescent drawn forest a rain and windstorm pick up as the bird loses control sending the young bunny tumbling back to its parents the two rabbits wake up finding their bunny dead they bury their young standing over the standing over the grave site the the bird looking down from the grave up from down at the grave from above back in reality three years later the couple are stopped at a gas station what do you think this means it's tough, right? Because I thought you were going to... When I was watching this, I imagined you asking me, like, what does this mean? <laughs> what and do you think this means? In the moment, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, this is obviously, like, it's symbolic of what just happened to them, right? They feel like yeah. they are, like, carried away by life. I, that's how I see, I guess, the bird or it looks like a rooster. Because I wanted that, about too, the yeah. A phoenix. No, phoenix, I don't right? know if it's a phoenix because then I mean, it was well, reborn it from fire. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true. So possible. From the ashes and stuff like that, which is very interesting too. But I think you know, we'll talk about it when that happens too because I have my theory about this too. Uh, I just think life took her away from them. Fuck. That's what that bird is. I think I figured out what this movie is. It's the five stages of grief. I could see that. Yeah. I think I, I think just the ending of the movie is just acceptance. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> like, God damn it. Like, got it. Like, yeah, I, I, that was their like, way of like, there was that rebirth for them. Right. That's when they like hug and stuff. Damn, you, stole, I think it. I, you I, stole it from me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Should have said it first then. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, I would tell it to the end. <laughs> I got it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> like it just it just like brain just blasted you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like because it, it was so yeah what's the five stages uh the five stages of grief are um denial mm-hmm. anger bargaining depression acceptance and i feel like we get all of that yeah because like i feel like the husband is very much the epitome of denial so and that shows in the like the paper cut cut out they like stay there carrying the little tiny bunny for a very long time before right. they even bury it right yeah, that scene so it's is a little bit absolutely of a very long. It's just like looking down, shaking. Right. Yeah. That's how they are at the hospital bed. They're yeah. just there like, she's freaking out and panicking. It's like, help her, help her, but she's already dead. Right. Like, he's still there holding her like he's like she's still alive. Yeah. But she's dead. Right. It's, it's 
like David said, it's heartbreaking. It while they are back, while, while they are back on the road, Tobias is munching on, um, on an ice cream as Ellen sits silent, um, silently, stopping at a stoplight. Uh, he cracks a joke about a about a pedestrian's hair. She ignores his joke, commenting that uh, this this isn't what she wanted. He asked he asked her um, what kind of ice cream did she want. She argues if he if he would have paid attention, he'd known that. I'm like, dang. He's like, I thought you liked strawberry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's funny, right? Because it's right after the death scene. Right. And you can very much take that dialogue and use it towards the aftermath of what happened. And if you were paying attention, you know, you could have, you could have known. That's true. Yeah. Oh, wow. Damn. Yeah. Bomb dropped. Absolutely. Tobias asks if um, if she's seriously upset about the ice cream. She exposes the reason of her being upset isn't uh, is because he didn't pack her swimsuit. He claims that he did pack it. She doesn't understand why he didn't say so uh, from the beginning. I mean. Not to be that guy, but why does it matter? <laughs> Not understanding um, why she had to ask his, ask him three times. Um, he uh, he questions why is it such a big deal. Ellen calls out to the red light, curious um, why he's turning around. <clears throat> Tobias explains to take back her ice cream, even though uh, uh, even though she's eaten some of it. <laughs> She's pretty gullible. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like, like, oh, you're gonna take back my ice cream? I have any hot ones? Like, no, I'm not actually going on the freeway. Come on. <laughs> I mean, it, he's gaslighting her 100 percent too. And yeah, that's, that's like, what I was about to say. Like, he's I feel like dick. I feel like he's also a, being an asshole. He is 100 percent because like it's just it, it feels like in this moment they definitely are angry at each other. Yeah, and um. I think David really just hit the nail on the head. It's like you where, should have noticed. It, right. Like why like he was the one sleeping right next to her. Why didn't he notice? Yeah. I, I feel like that's her her mindset in that moment. Like you were there. Like you were right next to her. You were supposed to know kind of thing. When yeah. in reality it's not his fault. You know what I love about this scene too? What's Do you that? guys know where the camera placement is? In, in the back seat as, as a daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Us as a viewer were in the backseat watching this all happen. Yeah. And I love it's that. Crazy. It's crazy. I love that. that. We we yeah. have we have a lot of those scenes such as this where it mm. feels like the daughter is still there. And yeah. we're the daughter. You're the daughter. Could have been you. Could have been the seafood. Yeah. Could, yeah, could have been you at Korean barbecue. Ah. But see, I gave him a penny for his damn tip. Yeah, because even <laughs> even though she's not there, the absence of her is there. Mm-hmm. Right? It still has an effect an effect on their family. hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. He comments about taking the highway. She argues about him joking all the time and and, uh, and say what he's really what he really feels. To stop the argument, he tells her that he loves her. They continue the rest of their drive in silence. Man, goddamn. Now night, Ellen is eating inside the car. Tobias knocks on the window, opening the door, um, looking for something. She tells she tells him that it is not in there. Irritatedly. Uh, reminding him that they, that she told him that he ignores her as he continues yelling that he's letting um, mosquito as she continues yelling that he's letting mosquitoes into the car. He closes the door, checking in the back of the car. While looking, he suggests for her to help him. She claps. Uh, she claps back that she doesn't want to. Okay. <laughs> but he rebuttals that she, uh, she might have to deal with sleeping on the ground then. <laughs> he heads back to the driver's side. Ellen comments that she uh, she might not ever want to camp again. Tobias agrees, question the fact that he doesn't want to go on another vacation again. Mm. So that that reminds me of, like, once again, the five stages of grief. Like, it felt like it was denial, now we're in anger. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. now, like, he, they're both angry with each other. She was always angry, but, like, I feel like now he is now at her level. Yeah, when it comes to anger, people are, even though there may not be anyone to, they're always looking for something or someone to blame. Yeah. Right. And they'll rationalize in their mind why Absolutely. something or someone is to blame. Right. Excellent. Excellent point. She responds, wanting him to just tell her uh, what he's do- uh, when he's done. He takes the tent, setting it up by himself as Ellen continues sitting inside the car. Um, cut to Ellen looking outside the tent, shining her flashlight on the opening, attracting mosquitoes. She whispers Tobias's name, but he's asleep. Calling out to him again, explaining that she has to pee and she will do she would do it underneath the fly sheet. He wakes up, telling her no. She complains that th- there are too many mosquitoes, but he doesn't care and goes back to sleep. She tightens uh, her hood opening the tent and zipping back zipping it back up finding a tree to squat and pee on i fucking hate camping sometimes dude like i'm a glamper i'm not gonna lie glamper i'm a glamper. what's that mean is that like that is like legit cabins sometimes a hotel and then i'll go to a campsite you know what i'm saying and i'll go back to the hotel <laughs> when i'm done like that's I'm cool with a cabin yeah, yeah. cabins are cabins. fun cabins are dope that. like you go to a tent. Dope. fuck tents though you, Fuck tents, I mean, I'm like, I've never been camping, camping. I've only gone for. Like, you don't want you know, to, like, what was it elementary school? The oh, that doesn't count. Toss or whatever, but <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't yeah. count. But it's like you know, cabins. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I, that sounds horrible. Yeah, I mean, it is. It I mean, is pretty bad for anyone who's listening who loves camping. Rio, do you, that do what you love. Rio do loves camping, and hell yeah, more. I live vicariously through Rio. When I see pictures of her going camping, I'm just like, fuck yeah, that looks awesome for you. Like, <laughs> like that looks great for you. Like, that looks horrible for me, but great for Mad you. Mad props for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Good, good on you. Um, but I, I it's, it's, it's this particular moment that is about to happen is just so, um, so interesting. Yeah. It's a moment of vulnerability. Right. And the, the vulnerability you're letting your it, guard down, and that's when the trauma hits you. Yes, and it, and it, and it comes just angles. as quick as they found their daughter, right? Yeah. And out of nowhere, just yes. how they found their daughter. Exactly. Right? So, like, it, it is so... God, it's so interesting. Turning on her flashlight when she hears something rustling in the trees, um, she... Uh, spots a white cat staring back at her. She tries a calling for it. More twigs snapping behind her. That cat was fucking creepy looking. Yeah, like it had like blood in its eyes or something. Ooh, I, did it really? Did yeah, it? like it's it, it's on a poster. Um, it it was fucking freaky looking. Um, here if you want to come look at it, I got it up on the screen. But like, it was. It's a. Oh, it looks like an. Angry oh yeah, cat. It's like definitely yeah, red yeah. eyes and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like it, it was a creepy looking cat. Although I think the cat was a metaphor for Mog, hmm. as well. And even if we kind of look at this cat right, um, right now, like it has the tie. It's white. It has the top hat behind it and things like that. that makes so a lot like, of sense. So like I, I want to say that it was supposed to be like a metaphor for Mog. I don't know why I thought it was like their daughter. It's like the only innocent thing that's like there was there a moment I thought that too kicks in. But mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Turning on her. Oh, excuse me. I already read that part. Um, Mog and his two com- his two odd companions, Cherry and Sampo, mm. names start whistling at her. He asks, "What uh, what do they have? Uh, what do they have there?" With a smile on his face. Fucking creepy. He greets her. She tries pulling up her pants, but the dog on the on the leash starts barking at her, causing her to fall to the ground. She calls for Tobias. Mog runs over to her, hitting her in the head with the with his cane. 
Ow. Commanding her to be quiet before supporting the cynical smile again, claiming that they are going that they are only playing. Sampo drops his dead dog, picking up Ellen and um uh, and forcing her to dance with him. Super Ew. unsettling. Fuck. I don't like it. Yeah, I didn't like it either. This um, scene. But it's it's doing what it's seeking out to do. Yeah. Making you feel as uncomfortable as possible. Yeah. Now, is this unnecessary? It's like yeah. the pat on the leg, the dog licking the pee, and him picking her up. I'm just like, why? I don't it's, want to it's see all, any of it's this. It's all weird. Very odd. And is it necessary? Not really. Right. But it's, effective. it's very effective. It made me feel some type of way and it was supposed to. Yeah. And like it... It's weird, and this bear with me, everyone. This may be weird to say because the music box that they bought was this, right? It was these right. people on this music box. I've pictured this as a way for them to, um, for their grief to not be forgotten, and yeah. a way for you to feel that impact. And I feel like that's the reason why every time we would go through this moment, Ellen was the only one dying. Mm. Because she was the only, she was the one in that moment when they first found their daughter, who was flipping out and absolutely hysterical. Therefore, I feel like the grief hit her immediately. When at the very end, we see that uh, we have Tobias, where he stays with he, the grief longer, right? And we don't see what happens or how he deals exactly. With it. And there's no like there's no resolve on his part at all. It's just like it just cuts off. Exactly, yeah. it just cuts off, and it's a long, still moment mm-hmm. that they're that they're in that moment, and it's like and it's like he's holding on, right? Right. It's there, but he doesn't know what right. to do with it. There's and no him trying to escape. In my it's um, eyes, killing is her. Denial. He's just living in the moment, though. Right, absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. Meanwhile, Tobias, um, Tobias is inside his tent and he's peeking from underneath, shedding a single tear. He moves back inside the tent, turning on his, <clears throat> turning on his light and in search for a weapon. Um, and it's it's interesting because you would think in this moment, like, why isn't he helping her? Right, right. Like, why is why isn't he going out there to help his wife? And I think that's a, the same concept of what happened in the hospital where he didn't console his wife. He still was holding his dead daughter. Right. I think also he's seen her suffer from the grief mm-hmm. and just looking from afar and doesn't just, know what to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Doesn't know what to do. Just or he's looking from the inside out. Could only watch her suffer. Right. Absolutely. And knows he can't do anything about yeah. it. Yeah. A gunshot rings outside the music stopping. He starts frantically searching for the knife, finally coming across it. Mog and the others walk uh, walk outside his tent, commenting about the size of the tent for such a quote-unquote small girl. Tobias waits while Mog and Cherry continue. She was taller than you, Mog, so like, what? Uh, <laughs> Tobias waits while Mog and Cherry continue circling the tent. Cherry and Mog, or Cherry and Sampo were interesting. They're spooky. They were very they were really spooky. Scary. Like, like Sampo looked like he just left the circus. And it's kind of same with Cherry as well. But like, she was very tall, and like her hair was so long. She reminded me of a witch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Uh. Mog playfully, playfully. Excuse me. Mog is playfully curious what awaits him inside. He cuts the lines while whistling, sending the dog inside the tent to attack Tobias. He eggs, he eggs the dog on as Tobias screams and shrieks in pain. Sampo 
uh, comes over to comes over to them, kicking Tobias from outside the tent. The painful grunt stops, blood escaping the tent. Tobias cuts um, cuts his way out of the tent um, in his dunt dunts, screaming for his wife. By the way, for those who don't know what dunt duns are, that's his undies. Sampo growls as he as he runs over, grabbing uh, grabbing and squeezing him. Mog hitting him, shouting for him to stop. Sampo drops him as he uh, cowers away. Damn. Mog calmly tells Cherry to take a deep breath and relax as she has the gun pointed at Tobias. He, um, he massages her, her shoulders, giving her a visual of the bullet leaving the barrel and, and going all the way through his skin. He tells her no, moving underneath the moving underneath the gun, slightly moving the gun in her hand. Tobias is confused but scared shitless as Mog mimics a beeping noise, pointing it at the tip of his penis. Jesus Christ! Why you flick it though? just pointed at it. Like, uh, Why did he touch it? He's like, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> like he flicked he, like, it. He, he, like, he should have flicked that visa. and like he had zero reaction. I would be like, ooh. <laughs> like, 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 I'm like, nah, man, kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot it off. <laughs> Continue, continuing their standoff uh, while Sampo caters to his dead dog. No shot fired. And it, the scene just ends. I yeah. think this is, I think this it, is it, really like, well done. It stays there before it ends, which is like right. great. And we get that overhead shot. And I was like, damn, okay. Absolutely. Cut to Tobias and Ellen driving at, driving at night. She mentions that this is her vacation, wanting to relax so she can hear this message from our sponsors. And we're back. Instead, she's asking for him to promise that they'll stop next time they see a B&B. Have y'all ever stayed in a and b Not an Airbnb, but a B&B. Nope. No. Damn, bro. Do it. <laughs> like I don't know. I, they're very expensive. Very I've seen expensive. horror films. What? With a B&B? Like yeah, what? Yeah, dead bre- and breakfast. Bed and breakfast is yeah, dead. Scary. Dead and breakfast. Ooh. That's a movie. That's a real movie. It's I'm a comedy. Sure it though. is it's a horror comedy. Comes from but, the, the the tropes of bed and breakfasts in horror films. Maybe I can't really you think sh- of many bed and breakfasts horror films right now. Can, can you name one besides Dead and Breakfast? Like I did, because <laughs> I can't think of any. I have one in mind, but I can't think of the name. But I'll I'll figure it out. Okay. Um, well, anyway, bed and breakfasts are f- fucking fantastic, and I wish I could stay in one again. But they have like little breakfast for you in the morning. I was like, oh, I understand the breakfast part in the bed. <laughs> I've yet to stay somewhere that like provides breakfast that has really good breakfast besides Goofy's Kitchen, Disneyland. I've never yeah. been there, but I've always wanted to go. Yeah. To the I appreciate good continental breakfast from hotels. <laughs> but like, I've never <laughs> had muffin. good continental breakfast. I like, don't either. <laughs> it's like, honestly, it's like elementary it's like, cafeteria <laughs> food. And like, I'd rather wow. starve. <laughs> I'd rather starve. I'd rather not leave. eat this. I will fucking leave this continental breakfast and buy a real breakfast. Yes, that's actually Make what happens a rubber every band. <laughs> Well, I stayed in a better breakfast in Monterey. And it's, mm. it's not a continental breakfast. It... In some ways it is, but you pay for it in your stay. But it's huh. the literal staff cooks you a breakfast and it's um family style. Okay. To That's where cool. every every resident comes down at the designated time, like around eight o'clock or whatever, or nine, and um you're just hanging out with everybody. And uh we had citrus French toast. Was it good though? Yeah. Okay. That's it was cool. absolutely incredible. Okay. I almost had the so same thing in Monterey. Good. It was like they had little cottages. And then, like, you'd just come down. And it was, like, continental I breakfast. Think, it was, like, maybe I, it was the same place. I think it was the same place. It might have been because it was, it was very similar. Uh, bro, Me too. 
I had it Dude. for lunch like last week. Dude, <laughs> I would have breakfast every day. Like I'm fucking king breakfast up in my household. Eat though. breakfast for dinner. I will. I will yeah. and be completely satisfied. <laughs> he excuses that they uh, that they said they were going camping. She questions if this is about money, willing to pay for uh, for it as she result as she insults him, asking him again to promise to stop at a B and B. He doesn't answer. She asks him again. He bluntly responds, "No." She argues for uh, for him to just drop her off. Then he yells for her to calm down, explaining that the time it takes to pop up a tent. They they are both silent for a moment as she as he continues down the road. She comments that he doesn't. He doesn't know where uh, where they are. He claims that he d- he does, but it doesn't it doesn't matter where uh, where they are because you p- you can pitch a tent anywhere. I mean, I mean, fair, sure, anywhere just flat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Are you looking up bed and breakfasts or bed and breakfast horror films? Oh no, I uh, should. Yeah. yeah, I want okay. you to if you can. I I because I, I, I can't think of any right now. I'm not, there are some, but I can't think of any right now. He quickly turns off the road. Um, Ellen yelling that he can't do this. He suggests that he that he can based on the Freedom to Roam Act. Okay, he knows his his he laws. Knows, he knows his laws. He can roam freely. <laughs> um, she doesn't want to go uh, go to a campsite that isn't meant meant for it. Tobias argues that you only you only need one square square meter of level ground and a tiny drop of positive energy. Damn, shots fired. Okay. <laughs> he continues tr- um, trekking off the road. Ellen pointing out that uh, that he's not even dr- um, driving on the road. He rebuttals that he, um, since he's driving on it. It is considered a road. Damn, bro. Your petty-ass comments aren't appreciated, Tobias. Yeah, there's a lot of bigger in here. I'm telling you right now, sir. <laughs> they get spooked when a white cat walks across the road. He stops at a specific spot, getting um, getting out. Or excuse me. Getting out. Hold on. I wrote that wrong. He stops at a specific spot, getting off the road, and looking uh, looking around for his flashlight. Did you find any? Uh, well, it's, uh, I think maybe this is what I was thinking about, but like the hostel movies. Yeah, it's not a bed and breakfast. That's kind of... No. No, no, no way. Okay, well, okay. You're not sharing a room with anyone. Uh, but they have like a category, I guess, that has like uh, bed and breakfast, but they put hostel movies in there. They put dead and breakfast, like you said. E. Uh, there's one called B&B. I was like, okay. 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 Uh, they put identity in there. Which I'm like, eh, that's a hotel. I was saying, is that a motel? Yeah, something like that. Identity. Ugh, I hate that movie. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there's like a few like lower end ones, but there's like they mix it between hotel, motel, and uh, B&Bs. Hotel, motel, holiday inns. Exactly. Ah, shit. We had the hotel, motel. <laughs> Back whole... with Ellen looking out of the tent screen, calling for Tobias that she needs to pee and will do it under the uh, the fly sheet. He ignores what she's saying, mentioning that uh, he had a creepy dream that he can't remember. She asks, uh, she asks again to pee under the fly sheet because of the mosquitoes. He tells her to get a grip. She uh, she ties her hood once again and heads out of the tent. He calls out to her, allowing her to use the bathroom under the fly sheet, but to keep qu- but to be quiet because someone might show up, demanding her to turn turn off her flashlight. I didn't understand the whole flashlight situation because it was daylight. Yeah, me either. And maybe it was supposed to be nighttime, but we've seen them at night. I don't know. Uh, she continues rattling around. He shouts for her to be quiet and to turn off the light. She she complains that she uh, can't see anything. Asking um, asking if she can pee if she could pee inside. 
She relieves herself as Mog and the two others come up toward the tent. She shushes them as he approaches, unzipping the tent and pulling out Ellen. Grabbing che- uh, Cherry grabbing and holding her by the face as Mog eggs his dog on. Tobias continues to cower at, um, as, as his wife is beaten to death outside, unzipping the other side of the tent to escape. Mog sends in his dog, commanding, commanding it to attack, zipping up the entrance of the tent after it enters. He doesn't hear anything he doesn't hear anything um no commotion or excuse me he doesn't hear any commotion inside unzipping and pulling the dog back out he has he um asks ellen's body where her husband is um while cutting the strings off the tent it deflates tobias trying trying his best to continue hiding underneath it mog knowing that someone is someone is in there he sarcastically comments that they are leaving just to allow sampo to get a running and charging start to jump on tobias fuck like that was that was intense interesting as well it was interesting but at the same time like like, if someone unknowingly jumps on you who's that big and you can't prepare yourself right you just get blindsided fuck like the uh, like i just pictured the all the air just leaving this man's body and the way he like just like stands to the side after he's done and like just grabs his suspenders and like flips like like yeah he just like he snaps snaps them i was like what the hell this dude's like yeah i did that (laughs) i mean i'm not gonna lie sampo was my favorite character (laughs) like he was just he just had this this sheer darkness about him the way he would even carry his dead dog i didn't like that it was weird. I hated it. It was so weird, but at the like, same time, he was also grieving. Yeah. Right? That's true. Like, yeah. he was also grieving. Like, I feel like that was a huge metaphor on how Tobias held his daughter for so long while she right. was dead. It's kind of like when Tobias killed his other dog. He, like, grabbed him and, like, tried to hug him to that. Right. And it's like, yeah, he's yeah. pretty aggressive. He's scary. He is terrifying. I'll whoop his they're ass all <laughs> all three of them are like characters. Like they're really yeah. good, scary characters. Yeah, they're scary. It's, it's, Mog is scary too. Yeah, the way she like looks at him while he's like while she's pointing the gun at him is like, Damn, oh yeah, she's like, like he loved this sinister look. I yeah. think what's just fascinating is that I feel like these are probably one of the scariest characters we have seen. Yet they are so. just. Just, depicted as humans right right but yeah. there's something that, i think about that's what's them. scary is that this maybe could happen like this is a very logical thing like people yeah. people themselves are scary i'm scared of people more than anything yes oh like, fuck yeah people terrify me absolutely yeah. terrify me um he groans in pain as he tries getting up mod commanding him to stop he begins making fun of tobias as cherry points the gun at him underneath the sheet tobias yells for them to stop this mod tells him to be quiet sharing that there is a gun pointing at him tobias asks again for him to stop this mod runs over hitting him in the head going over to direct the gun for cherry he begins laughing as cherry stands across from him the camera moving out once again we don't know the aftermath right Cut to Tobias brushing his teeth on the lake as wolves howl in the distance. He finishes his teeth. He finishes brushing his teeth, then goes to to use the bathroom on a tree. Dude was peeing for like a whole minute. Yeah, like, almost I like just skipped ten seconds. I'm and like, he's still going. Damn, dude! Like <laughs> this dude's really like just like how, what's in the I water? Mean, like <laughs> and it's weird because the like the audio mixing in this, you can hear them pee very well. And I'm just like, why does that have to be like a good audio thing to have in this movie? I'm like, it's not necessary. 
It's like, I see what's happening. It was necessary. I don't have to hear it for a long time. <laughs> I needed to know. <laughs> he goes back to his tent, mimicking the sounds of the wolves before entering inside. He howls again, Ella not impressed. Tobias mentions that, um, that it is mating season. She tells him to stop it. He brings up the fact that he's aroused, but no answer. Now, this is interesting. Because, like, if we even go back to our five stages, right? Like, I feel like this is closest part to bargaining that we're yeah. probably going to get. I'm thinking about that too. Where he's like trying to make the best out of the situation. Mm-hmm. Right? So interesting. Well, actually, correction. We get him bargaining, telling them to stop it. So that was his, his way of, of bargaining, telling like, like he Fitting was like, please stop this. Yeah. Um, like, so I feel like that was his bargaining. This movie, like, now that I think about it, it's well done. It's very, it's like, I, I said it before that it's very well done, but like, fuck, it's really well done. Like after I really sit down and talk about it and really think about like what's going on in this film and perceived all the metaphors and able to actually um, dissect those, it's very well done. It's not enjoyable, but that's the point. The five right. stages of grief, there's no enjoyment in any of those stages. Exactly. Except for and not even acceptance. Like you, like you may you may still be sad, yeah. But you're just accepting the fact that, like, okay, this happened. Yeah, and I don't even with acceptance. I would I would probably say I don't think. I mean, I I I don't think it's considered enjoyable, right? Because it's, right. you have to accept the reality of what happened. Exactly. Like you, like time is still going to keep going. Yeah. He brings up the fact that he's. Uh, oh, excuse me. Um, back with Ellen. <clears throat> Back with Ellen looking off off screen on the on the tent, telling Tobias that she needs to pee again. He wakes up surprised, thinking that there there's someone um there's someone all, um, outside the tent. She comments that she doesn't hear anything. He stops her from talking so she could, so he could listen. He puts on his jacket. Um, she asks she asks him about uh, what he's doing. He tells her to turn the flashlight off as he grabs a knife uh, from his duffel bag, unzipping the tent and running running to the running to the car trying to unlock it. The alarm blares. Ellen calling out to him. You know, he was like damn near butt naked asleep in that tent. It's fucking cold, right? Like, yeah. bro, like I don't like sleeping with my socks, but when I anytime I would sleep in a tent, like, See. like I need, I had to do it, and I would sleep horrible. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it just I had to do it. And it, oh god. Bless my wife. But though. that's the whole thing Bless about the um, the couple. <laughs> They're usually always in their underwear. It's just uh, to show their vulnerability. Well, not her, right? She she's well, fully clothed. Uh, at least for the first half, she's always like in her underwear because she always goes out to pee. Mm. That makes sense. And it happens over and over again. Actually, it happens in this. Or no, uh, I think it happens again, right? When she pees inside the tent. That already happened. Yeah, never mind. So yeah, yeah, yeah that was the last. This was the last, uh, one. last one. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> excuse me. He gets he gets inside the car, uh, shutting the alarm off. Ellen peeks outside of the tent. He motions for her to be quiet and to go back inside. Um, she does. He unwraps the knife, breathing heavily as he looks her all around. I'm just like, bruh. <laughs> just, <laughs> this scene kind of low-key pissed me off. It's like, why did you not bring her with you? Why? Why did you tell her to go back inside the tent? No, get in the car. What is happening? I was like panicking. I was like, I was here in the studio watching it. I'm like, 
I paused. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with him? What? It's like, I hope yeah. they get you first and then her. Yeah, oh my God. Tobias continues waiting inside the car, watching a spider on his mirror as he clutches the knife to his chest. He notices a flashlight coming from inside the woods, uh, coming from uh, inside the woods. He leans down into the seat, hearing Mog and the others pass him by. They, uh, they move cautiously toward the tent, forcing it to fall down with Ellen inside. And that's when Tobias realizes, fuck, I fucked up. <laughs> yeah. I do oh want to bring up the point it's like we get a nice long shot of that spider and then yeah. we see like the whole entire web shaking with the wind and the spider's literally trying to hold on and right. like not fall off and I was like that's symbol- uh, symbolic of them as well right yeah absolutely like, that's cool but yeah he fucked up yeah, yeah, he did. She yells at them, asking, asking them, uh, asking them what they are doing. As Tobias continues being a fucking coward inside of his car, <laughs> I would have like positioned that question towards my husband. I would have been like, "What the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Get, get out here and like, damsel in distress, this shit. Like, help me, bro. Like, what the fuck? I'm supposed to be your peach, you're my Mario. Right, like, you're not say, doing anything. Like, help. If me. I was the wife, I'd be like, calling. I was like, hey, he's in here. Like, fuck that. Come on, bro. Like, I'm your Zelda. You're my Link. Like, I need your help. Like, give me some fucking help. Like. <laughs> She yells for them to stop it. Mog sending his dog into the tent. Tobias oh. watches from inside the car, quickly sobbing before looking back at um, at the strange group of people. Sampo, Sampo calls back to his dog while Cherry rummages inside the tent. Tobias continues watching as they pull his wife out of the tent. He sobs for, uh, for another moment before Sampo starts approaching the car with his dog. To, um, Tobias quickly starts the car, hitting both Tom, um, Sampo and the dog. Sampo clamped to his hood. I'm like, God damn! Sampo, you so scary. Tobias <laughs> slamming on his brakes to get him off. Sample's barbaric ass grabs a branch and smashes it through the window instead. He pulls Tobias out of the car, hitting him before dragging him back to the others, throwing him to the top of their, um, throwing, throwing him on top of their dog since he killed them, um, or killed it. They, they all watch as he, as we quick cut to another Groundhog Day. You can't run from grief. Cannot. No matter how hard you try. No matter how hard you try, it's just going to hit you like a branch through your window. That yeah. scene looked good, too, with the camera being inside and you see that shit the branch break through the glass. And you're like, damn, how did they do that? That's this was cool. intense. Yeah. Like, uh, like the way that this is filmed felt so yeah. voyeuristic. The action sequences were pretty good. Yeah. For a few of them, but yeah. Right. Like, this is this is just a really just well done indie film in general. Like, yeah. it's just like, God damn, I know we keep saying it, but like. It just it it is. It felt like it's, it's surprising how well we had like a is. big budget out of nowhere. I'm like, oh damn, okay. <laughs> it's like damn, I thought you was Michael Bay for a second. Do <laughs> <laughs> that branch. You guys are really branching out now. Um, okay. Oh man, you hear uh, your boy Justin Lin's no longer directing Fast and the Furious. Oh, dude, I fucking gave up on right when I saw that. I'm like, the the series, the series is over. Is it's, it's, it's like done. I don't care. Yeah, like like I he, was he directed so the last one six. <laughs> well no so he was oh, that's true yeah, he yeah. did tokyo drift four five six did not do seven did, did not do that eight. was james wan i hated seven and eight ah. um <laughs> okay. i mean i stopped at like five he, i love all of them he came back for nine and i got on my knees and cried because i'm <laughs> in like a good way or a bad way in a good way oh okay. like i'm like thank you mr who, lynn that who was did a- hobbs and shaw I don't care. I didn't watch it. Oh, dang. Oh, shit. Anyway, um, Tobias <laughs> staring at the ceiling of the tent while Ellen reads her book. Um, They're both quiet. The, the the howls outside the tent ring out through the grounds again. He starts whistling Mog's tune. Cut back to Aaron doing the, doing the same um, bathroom task. This portion feels like the depression part. Because like now Tobias is like awake 
and he's just like they're both distant at this point in time cut back to Aaron doing the same bathroom um, task this time uh, when he's uh, startled awake he immediately springs into action not even putting his clothes on he's um, just grabbing his wife in the knife she doesn't understand shouting for him to stop as he pulls her um, by the arm toward the car letting go to, to unlock the car uh, to unlock the car alarm um, excuse me letting go to unlock the car the alarm sounding off um, she claims that, she, that he just had a dream. He starts the car, opening the door, yelling for her to get into the car. She yells that she needs her stuff. He continues honking his horn, shouting that, um, they'll be there any minute, running over to the tent, grabbing Ellen again, pulling, pulling her back into the car. She, uh, she has some of her stuff. She asks for him to uh, tell her what's going on. He shouts for her to get inside the car. She does so. He immediately speeds off the quickest he can. They are driving down the road as they both, as they, as they both have, um, excuse me. They are driving down the road as they both are having an inaudible argument. I hate them both here. I would think one that if you're married, and I get it, their marriage is in a rough Dwindling. state. <laughs> yeah, that if your spouse is freaking out and saying we need to go, Just you'd go. be like, okay, something's wrong, right? We need to get out of here instead of like, but my stuff, hold on. Right. <laughs> the tent. Well, like, <laughs> they, they set it up really actually perfectly. These, they, uh, she brings up like he is always lying to her, right? Yeah. He's always like right. pretending He's playing stuff like games that. and shit. So the trust level is really not there as well too. And I'm just like, oh, okay. In reflection, yeah. I also am very upset at him because learn how to communicate. Right. My dude. He's aggressive. You are just grunting and go, shouting. Go, go, go. Say, there's something wrong. We're in danger. We're not safe here. We need to leave. Someone's coming to hurt us. See how easy that was? That was easy. And that was very clear and concise. And I'd be like, okay, let's go. Yeah. Like, we'll <laughs> get our shit. stuff later. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be like, shit. you know what, David? you always been lying to me. I don't know. Are you going crazy right now? It's just a bad dream. So it could be both ways. I mean, it's a white lie though, right? So like you're right. good. <laughs> <laughs> Easily forgiven. If you just see believe someone, it. Like, yeah, like you said, like, if you see your partner start to like freak out, just support them and go and then figure out what the situation is later. I mean, even if it's not your partner, if I see anyone freak out, like if I see someone Someone's running, willing to run out in their tidy whities in the cold in the forest trying to get in their you car. it's serious. We've seen this in Pineapple Express where he's like, <laughs> What was that? And they start running and they just like crash and hit each other. Also, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, there's a there's a history of lying, but like, has it been at this level? Right. I mean, it's it's who knows, right? Like, it's it's hard to tell. Um, but I also want to point out that the the music in this point in time, the music at this point is like very calming. Mm-hmm. Like it's like during their argument, like almost like it's a serendipitous moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we it's get very to see that, like and, who plays those instruments later, which I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's the music that was earlier in the movie. I was like, that's, that's so cool. rad. Like that's another I, yeah, thing I really enjoyed. They have a pretty cool score. I think the emphasis here is that like so much ha- could have gone differently or can go differently if you just properly communicate. Yeah. Communication is mm-hmm. key. Yep. Yeah. Communication exactly. is key, dog. And you really mm-hmm. see it here. It's like, look how blatantly just uh, like, What's the word I'm looking for? Outrageous this is, right? That's they can easily just communicate, but they're just screaming at each other. Right. Not saying anything. Yeah, like literally. Like literally not saying something that that either one of them are able to comprehend or care about. Exactly. Like that is just like what? 
<laughs> she shouts for him to pull over so she can use the bathroom. He promises that, she, that he'll pull over, um, but she continues to complain about needing to relieve herself. He finally pulls over, allowing her to leave out of the car. She moves down toward the stream to go pee. Why you gotta go so far? Why so far? Why you gotta go so far? Right. Just while, leave she, the corner, fuck. while she's peeing, the dog, the dude, this dog, the, f- bruh, this runs. shit. Now this shit was fucking scary. <laughs> <laughs> like while she's peeing, the dog part of Mog's crew comes charging toward her. I'm gonna get you. Fast like, dog alive, dude. Fast like, dog alive. Like, bro, that motherfucker was Air Bud. Like, I was like, bro. Remember, he's a track star. <laughs> he screams. Her screams echoing as she gets attacked in the woods. What if Tobias was like, "Fuck, well, it's over for her. Close this door. Let's go." Mog and his crew go up to Tobias's car, knocking on the window, greeting him. Another reset, and we are back at, um, in the tent with Ellen looking out of the screen, asking the same question as she's. Um, uh, as she always does, but Tobias isn't there this time. She opens the other side of the tent, going outside into a snowy ground, confused mm. as I was as well. Me she too. searches around, noticing footprints in the snow. She follows them, noticing the car is gone. She quickly grabs her sleeping bag and backpack and runs up to the snowy hill, slowing down for a moment when she spots the car before she continues running. As she gets closer to the car, the radio is loudly playing the theme song and the passenger door is open. She drops her things looking inside the car. A large rock is stuck on the transmission. She's able to get the car car to start using all her might, might to move the the rock off the gear, trying to reverse the car, but it's stuck on the it's stuck um, in the ice, she tries uh, pushing the car, cursing as the motorized object has, um, as she's not able to do it. The white cat seen in the driver's side mirror, sitting down and meowing at Ellen. Fucking amazing! Like this is great. Yeah, this whole sequence I think is depression. Oh yeah, where she like, feels like she's so now empty, alone and so cold. alone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, like, I also think it's her. We're seeing how. She's going through grief alone. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's different. It's yeah. very different. Yeah. All by herself. Right. That, and that's that's in some ways like. And I love that how the snow how is a part of that. Works. It's like you're in an environment where you just feel cold and vulnerable and yeah. Yeah. Like alone. And, 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 you know, void, j- just voidful, right? Looking like, like for your significant other there. in this situation, right? right? She's heading towards the car trying to find them. Right. And trying to get out of the situation. And it's as if he just disappeared. Right. Just poof, vanished. Yeah. Damn, this movie's really good. Fuck. <laughs> she sobs pointing her light at the um at the cat before approaching it she slowly kneels next to the cat petting it before it walks away she follows it off the path into the woods the music including on the radio ellen continues following the cat deeper and deeper into the wooded area eventually making it to a house where the cat goes inside she opens the door and, and heads inside it closing behind her revealing that it's not her anymore like who is this person I think it's going back to her allergic reaction. Maybe, maybe either allergic reaction or or her older. Yeah, maybe. Like, I all oh. I I got a combination yeah. of those two as well. Yeah, uh, it definitely wasn't the same person. Yeah, no. Like I went back a bunch of times. I was like, wait, that's not the same person at all. No. Like so, like like this person definitely looks a little older. Yeah, a little bit more like weathered. Um. It looks like depression. Yeah. Like this person looks like she yeah, dealt I think, in battle with depression I for years. I think you actually really nailed it there because I, 
I think those that have experienced depression can see a physical change within right. themselves, right? Whether Absolutely. it be like weight gain or like your skin quality, mm-hmm. whatever, right? That right. like something is uh, is you're not taking care of yourself. Yeah, right, right, absolutely. Because nothing matters. Yeah, the room just has a box sitting in the um in front of a red curtain with candles stretched across. She uh, she sits down on the box. The curtain opens up to the to the drawing in a silhouette of Sampo um, behind the paper playing a cello. As Cherry stands up, banging on a drum. Hmm. This is fucking beautiful. Like, Sampo seems the guy who play a cello. When I saw him the first time, I was like, oh, that guy plays the cello, probably. You think you thought that? No. I'm like, <laughs> really? Like, I was really confused. Like, I was like, what? You, you got that from this? Like, Jesus, Freddie. Like, no, you, your master it's, analysis. <laughs> it's cool to see, like, the music that we heard earlier come back into play. And this, yeah. like, those characters who are very sadistic and crazy are the ones playing it. And it's very, like, nice music. It's beautiful. Right. Like, in this scene is so telling to me. And that's the thing. It's like her traumas and her horrors are now becoming a little bit more cathartic and she's right. actually facing it. She's, she's seeing it unfold uh, above her. Yeah, yeah. Right. So this towards the acceptance piece now. The bird with the bunny flies across controlled by Mog. She watches as the two rabbits mourn over the grave. The bird watching from above. Both rabbits have arrows meeting each other in the forest. They, they move to hunt down the bird, firing their arrows, pulling, pulling the rope, um, as the bird squawks and tries to fly away, they cage the bird in uh, into work on dis- in uh, work on dismantling their memories by taking taking the swing at the tree. the The rabbit also separating it. Um, the rabbit's also separating into different caves. The bird losing its feathers and becoming wilted. And I feel like the bird is a metaphor of her. Like it feels like this is like her. Like it it, it makes sense that, um the rabbits are both Tobias and Ellen. Yeah. But I feel like the bird is their emotions. Yeah. uh, For me, I see the bird as like, like I said, like life. And then that there's like, they're de-appreciating life at this moment. Mm -hmm. Whereas like life is what took their daughter away. And now they're like, fuck you. I hate my life. I hate you. Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, damn. Yeah. A storm comes crashing overhead as as both rabbits are in the in their caves. The bird shrieking in fright as it cages as as its cage becomes engulfed in flames, killing the bird. The rabbit goes over to the destroyed um, cage. The bird emerging from the ground, flying overhead. They watch as it flies away. The curtain closes, leaving Ellen alone. Transition to Ellen waking up next to her sleeping husband. She gets up, looking at him um, before gently putting her shoes on. Tobias is having a nightmare as he breathes rapidly and whimpers in his sleep. She gently caresses his face. He's startled awake, pulling her out of the tent and pushing her into the car as she screams in pain. And it's like in this point in time, she was kind of, I guess, in her flow of acceptance. And now it's Tobias's turn to catch up, right? Exactly. Right. He runs he runs to the other side and jumps into the driver's seat. Ellen gets back out and heads back to the tent. He runs out of the tent, causing it to fall down as he as he wrestles on top of her before pulling her out. Cut to them both driving silently down the road. Ellen um Ellen's pants are wet with pee as he continues trying to get out of there. He tries for the radio, eventually finding a station playing the theme song. He turns it up as he continues driving. The white dog that Sampo was holding holding earlier is struck by their car. Fuck. Yeah. Causing him to crash off the road into, into the water. <clears throat> 
Tobias shakes as as he tries to um, start the the flooded car. They gaze at each other before embracing with embracing with one another. Ellen allowing all of her pain from their loss to just rush out. And it's just like this is acceptance. Exactly. Yeah. This right here is just pure acceptance of what happened three years ago, and like I think there's a lot of um, impact when. You see, like Tobias and trying to start the car after seeing yeah. like the impact on the glass and the blood, and it slam grief has slammed him so hard, even disoriented. He's still trying to run away, right? Until the point that you know he can't, he can't, and um, acceptance finally arrives. Right, absolutely. He strokes her hair as she sobs and tears fall down from his face, the camera floating away, just like the bird from the story. Cuts Amaya in a dark room, spinning the top of her music box, playing the theme song, then credits. Damn. What a flick, man. Yeah, it's one of those that I think we all feel the same way as <clears throat> we uh, as we talk about it in retrospect. We're like, right. oh, this is, uh, this is well done. Uh, I thought it was well done initially, but again, it's like I did not enjoy it. Right. Yeah. And, and likewise, like, I don't think, I don't think <clears throat> I would watch this again. Yeah. Um, was this your first time? No, second time. Got it. But I, I haven't seen it since 2019. Um, so God, three years. Wow. Whoa. Weird. Three years. That's when the movie was set. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. but, uh, but yeah, so like I, 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 so it kind of felt like watching it for the first time, but it was, Definitely something that I feel like is a very telling story on how everyone deals with grief differently. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like it's just such a telling story. Like it is. Uh, like when I found out that my biological mom passed, like I was on such a, a completely different spectrum from everyone else that like. Um, everyone was having all these good memories and things like that and, and so on and so forth. And I was just like, I don't have that because like we were never close. Yeah. But um, when when that was happening, like at the same time, like I still felt it. And it was it was it was a, a very interesting moment. But I feel like this movie encapsulates this perfectly mm-hmm. and it really knows how to tell this particular story on how grief just ebb and flows, right? Like there's times where you won't think about it. There's times where it's all you can think about. It's times where it consumes you and it's times where you just accept it. And sometimes you probably just go through the whole process all over again, right? So like it's it's interesting. It's really interesting. Damn, what a flick though. Yeah. Well, I ain't got no movie facts for us here. No, no movie, movie facts. facts. <laughs> Instead, I'm gonna tell you what we're watching next week. Um, but before I do that, uh, let's get this conversation going. I want to hear what you all think about Coco D and Coco Day because this is interesting, and I genuinely am curious off like what y'all think. But you can let us know over on Twitter at Nightlight underscore Pod or over on our Discord, and we can keep the conversation going there. It's a fun place to be. I'm in there, so have fun with me. <laughs> um, what a but, sentence. Ah, thank you, thank you. I, I thought of it early on. Uh, but the next film that we are going to be covering and concluding this grief month with is going to be Absentia. 
which quick disclaimer, everyone, both David and Freddie are not going to be here because it is their mm. birthday. Birthday boys. Hey. Birthday boys. I'm excited for We're their birthday. We're a day apart. And, and, I know. Yeah, they're a day apart. That's 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 so cool. But it, <laughs> it sucks because I can't like celebrate with you guys because I have to be here and record the show. <laughs> yeah, thanks, buddy. <laughs> You're welcome. Take one for the team. Um, which means that one of you probably are going to take one for the team as well. That's right. Fans on our show. So cool. I don't know who it is yet. Okay. I don't know who it is yet. I, I, I haven't thought that far. Make us proud. But, but make us proud, exactly. But we'll figure it out. But this was Nightlight, our home movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knights. Alongside me, we had David. Stay spooky, everyone. Always and forever, also known as Nightly. Other in there, we have Freddie. Always keeping it spooky. Always and forever as well. Also known as Nighty Night. Our efforts to get this shot is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. But we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com slash goodnightlife to sign with the what? By plunging on Patreon, you have access to the show ad-free and as early as Monday with a post-show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlife.